Hey, welcome to the sermon series from Life Church Green Bay. It's our mission to bring the life-giving message of Jesus to the 920 and beyond. We're so glad you're here. If this is your first time joining us, we want to do life with you. While you're listening, fill out our hello card on our website so we can connect with you. Visit lifechurchgreenbay.com forward slash hello to fill it out. Make sure to check the I'm new here and online options while filling out the card. Again, we're so glad you're with us today. Here's this week's message. All right, open your Bibles to Luke chapter 15. Luke 15, if you don't have a traditional Bible, uh, then you can go to the Welcome Center after and they'll give you one. We'd love for you to take that. It's our gift to you. In the meantime, I really want you to use your YouVersion app or it's also called the Bible app because we've already uploaded all the notes and all the scriptures. If you don't have the app, then you can scan this code and it'll take you there. So uh, we're gonna wrap this series up today and it has been intense. If you think it's been intense to hear it, you should feel how it feels to say it because there have been some killer messages, like some really high level stuff. Pastor Sonny, Pastor Dallas, Pastor Barry, they all brought their A game and and we opened up some trash, didn't we? Like we opened up some cans of worms and it has separated the wheat from the chaff, the goats from the sheep. It has been an off ramp for some people, both by their choosing and quite honestly, for some of them by ours. It has caused some people to get off the bus, and it has has caused us to ask some people to get off our bus. And honestly, I don't think that process is done, because we ain't playing, y'all. This isn't a game. This is a war. Like, like I didn't advertise this, but this past week, I just finished a 40-day fast. And in the light of all the spiritual battles that we've been hearing about through this series, Pastor Sunny came to me and she said, I really feel like the Lord is uh, leading us to do another. T-. I was on the fast. And she, like, while I was on a 40-day fast, she said, I really feel like the Lord had said that we should, we should do the, the January 21-day Daniel fast. We should move that forward and we should do that now. And I said, could we like, just for like, could we pause? for one week because I've been dreaming about that Chick-fil-A pimentos and cheese. Could we just take like one? I know we're in a war, Sonny, but, but could we just take one, like just a break for a few days? I ate three pimentos and cheese Chick-fil-A sandwiches in one day. I was making up for last time. And so uh, we're going to do, as she talked about, another fast, just a 21-day church-wide Daniel fast that starts tomorrow. And if you don't know what a Daniel fast is, then I mean, really go on Pastor Sunny's social. She did such a great job on, on a couple of posts about it. And so I'll hope you do that with us because your spiritual lives and your family's spiritual lives could possibly be hanging in the balance right now. And it is time for some of you to stop half-stepping. Some of you have been spectators for long enough. Some of you have been fair weather fans for long enough. Some of you have had one thing go wrong and you jump off of your team's train for long enough. You feel me? So look, if you're still with me after all that, if you haven't left, if you haven't started thinking, well, baby, get your Bible, get get your Bible, because the minute he starts praying, we're out of here. So if you're still with me after that, after a month and a half talking about some really heavy stuff, two days before the most demonic holiday in the world, I want to wrap up by sharing some practical steps in a message that we're calling Set Free. Let's pray. God, we love you. 
you know, I, I don't know why we go through the fights that we go through. God, like, I don't know when I read scripture why so often there is so much struggle. I, I don't know up front why you allow some of the things that you allow. But what I know is that you've got me and my friends in the palm of your hand. That God, that God, you will never leave us. You will never forsake us. You will never leave us begging for bread. That God, you have a plan and that plan is for good and not for bad, for a future and for a hope. But God, just like you have a plan, we also have an enemy. And so God, I pray that you'd bless my friends in this place, open our hearts, open our minds, that they would be changed, that we would leave here less like us and more like you in Jesus' name. Amen. So, so I have actually, uh, actually anxiously been waiting for this message, and I think that some of you probably have too, because it has been a lot. It has been a lot of heavy uh, without some of the, like the typical life church practicality, but it has felt like it's been, it's been six weeks not of beating a bad day. There's nothing wrong with those series. I mean, we have lots of different types of series that we do here. We, we, have, uh, we have biblical book series where we'll go through a particular, particular biblical book for a series of time. We have felt need series. Felt need series would be things like about relationships or, or finances or, or something uh, like the Beating a Bad Day series where we'll spend five or six weeks and we'll just give you some practical steps on, on, on how to how to overcome some of the difficulties in your life. And the bumper for that will be like little bouncy people and it'll be cute and we'll have little cards to hand out and they'll be white with little characters on it. Like Pastor Sonny calls them critters. And so that's like a critter series. But then we do theological series. And quite, quite frankly, I didn't think I'd get off script this fast, but, but quite, quite frankly, we should be doing these more often. And, that, and there have been people, uh, you know, when you spend a bunch of years in a row as one of the fastest, church and grow, fat, fastest growing churches in America, the temptation is for you to not talk about challenging things. But what I've discovered is the enemy is going to win with some people, whether you're talking about fluff or whether you're talking about stuff. And for the people who are going to have the courage to withstand, you deserve to have us talk about stuff more often than we talk about fluff. And so for the number of weeks, uh, we have talked about the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit, and, and that has been a divider. But can I tell you that the Holy Spirit has been a divider since Acts? And so if he's going to be a divider, we might as well talk about him and teach you about him. And we might as well live inside of his presence and, and inside of his power. And so I, I've been like anxious about this series, like this message. I've been excited to be able to come and give some, some like practical how-tos, some practical steps. And I want you to know up front that before we're done, before you leave here, I'm going to lead everyone in here through a prayer of deliverance to start us down the road to freedom. Because, you know, freedom is a journey. 
uh, and it doesn't happen all at once. Some of you have spent your whole lives building the prison you're in, so it's going to take some time. It's going to take some effort. It's going to take some commitment. It's going to take some perseverance to get free of it. And so, so I wanted to wrap this series up where we started by talking about deliverance, because if you remember, we started this series pointing out that freedom involves both deliverance and discipleship. And I gave you the quote from Pastor Jack Hayford, who said, you can't disciple a demon and you can't cast out the flesh. So freedom is both deliverance and it is discipleship. And most people can't accept discipleship because they can't admit their deficiencies. And a lot of believers never receive deliverance because they don't think that they can be in bondage. But if that were true, Peter never would have denied Jesus three times. And Judas would have never been able to sell our savior out for a bag of coins. It's why we started this series pointing out that if you leave a door or a window open in your house, a thief can come in. Or if you put some sort of intoxicant into your system, even if you're a believer, you're opening yourself up to be under the influence of that substance or under the influence of that spirit. So we have to take that intoxicant or we have to take that intruder and we have to cast that spirit out, not in some spooky sort of way, but in an authoritative way in Jesus' name, like Pastor Stephanie talked about. And more of us should have oil residue over the door jams of our houses, but we have been uh, we have been negligent in teaching you what that means. I lived in a house when we first moved here where there were spirits that were left behind, and I wanted to deny that. I wanted to believe that, like Jesus said, wherever my foot lays down, his kingdom is expanded, but there would be nights inside my house, even though we're both pastors, even though we're both anointed, even though I've been through seminary, even though I'm filled with the power and the passion of the Holy Spirit, where you would feel things in our house. You would hear things in our house. One night, it was so clear that there was an intruder in our home. And guess what? We didn't see nobody, but there was an intruder in our home. There were noises downstairs and the front door slammed. You don't imagine, two people don't imagine the same thing at the same time. There was a door, the front door of our house slammed shut and I jumped up, whatever second amendment, I jumped up and I reached in my, in my dress, my, my nightstand drawer. I said, click, click. I said, listen here, Jack. And I handed a little something to Sonny, a little side piece to Sonny. That sounded bad. I handed a, a something to Sonny and I, I said, listen, if I don't come back, if anybody other than me comes up these stairs, there is 17 trigger pulls in this thing right here. Don't ask no questions. Don't Because you don't negotiate with an intruder. Somebody said that to me yesterday. They said, you don't walk around and talk about, well, you can have this, but you can't have that. You can go in this room, but you can't go in that room. Guess what, player? You come in my house at the time. You're not supposed to be in my house. I'm not having a conversation with you. I'm having a conversation with the popo after you've been taken out in a bag. That's all I'm saying. And so if I'm going to do that to somebody who tries to come in and steal my stereo, what am I going to do to somebody who tries to come in and steal my kid's spirit, their soul? There is an intruder that has come into our houses. And so you do it in an authoritative way in Jesus' name. It is the only way that we can be set free. So let's talk through that today. Cool? Let me give you four keys to being set free. Four keys uh, to being set free. And I just, uh, fair warning, some of you are going to be offended. Some of you are going to be mad. 
Some of you are going to wish you tailgated today. Some of you are going to hear some stuff that you're going to talk about me later behind my back. I'm just, let's, listen, God already told me that some people, let's, it's just whatever. So let me just give you four keys to be, I just want you to, I don't want you to be shocked. I don't want the synapses in your brain to be shut down because you're surprised. I just want you to be upfront. No, some of you are going to hear some stuff today. You're like, well, I, well, I never, you ever hear old, old people talk about it? Maybe some of you are too young for that. Anyway, it's, here's, here's the first. To get free, you need to recognize you need help. You need to recognize you need help. Now, we're going to talk from the story of the prodigal son, which doesn't immediately jump out as a story about spiritual warfare, but just watch. And, and I don't have the time to read the whole story, so I want you to go back later today or later this week and read it for yourself. You really could just read all of Luke chapter 15, but, but for time's sake today... Uh, let's start at verse 17. A- after telling us, us the story of the prodigal's wandering and weaknesses, after he'd spent all his time whiling out, verse 17 says, but when he came to himself, mm, I, I, lo- I love the way the word said, when he came to himself, when he came to his senses, when he stopped acting a fool, when he stopped tripping, when he, when he recognized he needed help, like, like he looked up, found himself living in a pig pen and recognized he needed help. Do you know how many Jesus people I've met who are living in the pig pen? Just out there acting a fool, doing stuff they know they shouldn't be doing, taking God's grace for granted. We're gonna find out Tuesday. When a bunch of Jesus people are going to dress their kids up in some quasi-demonic costume and take them and turn them out for some candy. And I ain't going to lie, I ain't proud to admit it. I did it. I marched my kids down the street past decorations of ghouls and ghosts and goblins through a mist of all sorts of spirits straight to Dick Resch's house so they could get a full-size Three Musketeers candy bar. And I sold, I tricked my kids out so that they could get a candy bar that I could have got at Walmart for a dollar. I, I, I took my kids up to doors and had them knock on doors that hadn't been anointed with oil but had been dedicated to the enemy. I had my kids go on to property that they shouldn't have been on. I had them wade through the waters of the filth and the the disgust of all the stuff. You know there's people that are going to be praying today and tomorrow for your kids to show up. Praying so that when your kids get there, the demonic presences that are in their house, when they open the door, could say, and flee out onto your kids. And looking back, knowing what I know now, I wish I wouldn't have done it. I wish I wouldn't have gone, I wish I wouldn't have gone to houses and infected my kids with what this holiday, you can't even watch TV right now, man. Some of y'all are like, man, he's so old, he's so, whatever, man, play, but you, you be whatever you want, just, I wish I would have just gone to the store and bought him each $50 worth of candy and called it a day. And guess what, I'd rather do the same thing for you. To the point that I'm willing to put my money where my mouth is. So if you wanna, if you wanna put this to the test and not take your kids out on the street on Halloween and see if it doesn't kill them to not be out there, go to the welcome center and give them your name and how many kids you got, and we'll get them each fifty dollars worth of candy, and you can pick it up on Tuesday morning. They might act like they're mad. They'll act like they're mad because all their little friends are out there in their little bootleg costumes, little plastic masks. I was C3PO one year. A little plastic mask. Remember, and the little strap broke two houses in. And here's the thing about here's the thing about trick or treating. Uh, you don't even get what you want anyway. 
and your parents are going to steal it anyway, so... Somebody in here, your kid's going to get all the Reese's Cups, but they're not going to see none of them. You know what I'm saying? It's like, turns us into thieves and liars and whatever. And I'm like, listen, I know this is counterintuitive, but so is the world that we live in. So is the culture that we live in. And your kids may act like, oh my gosh, I don't get to go out, trick or treat. And then you're going to bring a bag. You know how much candy you can buy for 50 bucks? You can put like a bag of candy be like, would you rather go out there or would you rather just buy them all, just get it all chocolate, whatever. It's just, we'll give them $50 with the candy is all I'm saying. You could pick it up on Tuesday. It would have been a worthy investment into the protection of my kids' little spirit and it'd be a worthy investment into your kids' little spirit because all I was doing was getting them all dressed up and marching them right to the pig pen. And you could disagree or get mad all you want. I mean, this might be your off ramp. But if I really love you, I have to help you learn from my mistakes because there's too many Jesus people living in the pig pen who need to come to themselves. Remember, uh, in the beginning of this series, I said in 25-ish years of ministry, the only people I've ever seen who can't get free are the people who won't admit they have a problem. So if you want to get set free, you need to recognize you need help. Here's the second way to get free, is you need to repent to God and others. Verse 18 says, I will arise, I will go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven, and watch this, and before you. Now, now I want to point point out a couple of things that you need to understand about repentance. First of all, repentance and confession are not the same thing. Repentance includes confession, but you can confess your sins and not repent. It's why you can sit in a booth, confess what you did, say you're sorry, and do a few prescribed tasks and have to go back to the booth next week and get another prescription because confession and repentance are not the same thing. I need you to understand what the word repentance means because there's been a lot of bad teaching. There's been a a lot of wrong teaching on the topic, the word repentance comes from a compound word in the Greek. Of course, a compound word is when two words are coupled together. So the word repentance comes from a compound word in the Greek, metanoia. Meta means change, noia means mind. So repentance literally means you change your mind. Now listen to this carefully. It's not just that you change your mind about your sin. It's that you change your mind about yourself. You change your mind about who God created you to be. Some of you are being held captive by a spirit of insecurity. Insecurity is not an emotion. It is a spirit. The Bible says you were fearfully and wonderfully made. If you're living in any identity other than that, that identity is not from God. It is a demonic spirit sent on assignment to make you feel small, to make you feel insignificant, to make you feel defeated. But you are capable of change. Repentance is changing your mind about who you were created to be, changing your mind about God. Recognizing that God is not sitting around with a, with a ruler waiting for you to mess up so he can whack you on the knuckles. He, he's giving you correction 
because he knows you need to change your direction. But you'll never change your direction until you change your mind. The book of Romans says that you are transformed by the renewing of your mind, by, by changing your mind about who you are. Some of you need to redirect the direction of who you are. You are not what the enemy tells you that you are. You are not small. You are not insignificant. You are not trite. You, you, are, not, you are not defeated in Jesus' name. Some of you need to, to renew your, your identity. You, you, you renew your mind. You, you, you are transformed by repentance. And it's more than just turning from your sin. That's not what this word means. Some people have taught that, that repentance is just turning from your sin. But that's not what this word means. It includes turning from your sin. But sin is a shapeshifter. It has a funny way of adjusting itself to your situation. And you could chop it off, but if you don't pull it out at its root, it'll just pop back up in another form. Uh, About 20 years ago, I I was struggling with some stuff internally, so I I went to a therapist. And and this therapist told me, uh, if you just deal with this issue at face value, then it's going to come up in, in a different sort of struggle. You'll deal with this issue, uh, this issue of insecurity, uh, but, but if you deal with just that, then it's going to pop back up and you'll have an issue with food, or you have an issue with alcohol, or it'll pop back up and you'll have, a, you'll have an issue with pornography because you'll have just dealt with the symptoms. You have to find out the source and you have to sear it off there so it can't come back in any other form. It's why we talk about journey to wholeness so much because it helps you identify the source. It helps you identify the root of your issue so you can sear it off, so you can kill it there. So we repent to God and we repent to others. Let me show you a scripture that talks about the importance of getting right with others so that you can get right with God. The book of Matthew says, if you bring your gift to the altar and remember your brother has something against you, Watch this. Leave your gift at the altar. Be reconciled to your brother. Pause. Then come offer your gift. It's saying if you want to get right with God, you got to get right with others first. The book of James says confess your sin, watch this, to each other and pray for each other so you may be healed. And the word healed here actually means to be freed from errors and sins. It's saying confess your sins to each other so that you can be free. So, so the prodigal son, who incidentally has been infected, not just with the spirit of greed, which some of you have been in, infected with that spirit too. It's, what's ca- it's what causes us to live above our means. It's what causes us to drown ourselves in debt. But, but he was not just infected by a spirit of greed. He was also infected by a spirit of rebellion. Because by demanding his inheritance early, he was telling his father, I wish that you were dead. You see how this is about spiritual warfare. So so after waking up in the pig pen, he goes back to his father and he says, I've sinned against God. And he didn't follow up by saying, and I've sinned against you. He follows up by saying, and I've also sinned before you. He, He was saying, you saw me do this. And when you saw me do this, I know it broke your heart. I know it impacted you. I know it injured your spirit. So I have repented to God. 
but I'm also submitting myself to you. I'm submitting myself to your authority. I'm submitting myself to your accountability. He wasn't just confessing to God. He was confessing it to his father so that he could bring that sin to the light. Satan works in the darkness and he uses it to his advantage because, because here's, what's, here's what we do. We fall into some sort of sin and we say, Lord, I'm sorry. I confess it to you. I ask you to forgive me, which is all great. But after we've done that in our head, we go, we go right on keeping it in the dark. Come on. Come on. But if you really want to get free, bring that thing out into the light. Yeah. Put as much light on it as you possibly can. Listen, you don't have to tell everybody, yeah. but you do have to tell somebody. Submit that sin to someone's authority and someone's accountability. I have that. I have a group of five men who are all pastors who I have given permission to speak into my life and to ask me anything that they want to and who have committed to me that, that I can say anything to them and they will do the right thing by me and not sell me out. They, they may make me resign, but they won't abandon me. And so everybody has to have somebody that you could submit to their, to their, uh, their authority and their accountability. Uh, repent to God and others. Here's the third way to get free is that you need to renounce the lies of Satan. Every bondage begins with a lie. Whatever bondage you have, there is a lie that you have believed. So you have to renew your mind. You have to change the way you think so you can get out of that lie. Look at verse 25. This is talking about the prodigal's older brother. It says, meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and he asked them what was going on. He said, the brother has come, he replied. Your father, he's killed the fattened calf because he's back safe and he's sound. The older brother became angry and he refused to go in. Watch this. He was infected with a spirit of jealousy, and some of you are infected by that spirit too. It's why rather than celebrating people's successes, you talk smack about them. It's amazing to me the people who will work at a company and then talk smack about the owner or the CEO. For example, there's a local company here in Green Bay and the owner posted on Instagram a picture of him going somewhere on his private jet. And I heard people going off. How dare he have his own? Oh my God. I was like, whatever, bro. First of all, don't cash his check then. Second of all, don't be mad now that you didn't have the discipline to go to school as long as he did or the courage to start something new like he did. It's a spirit of jealousy. And the older brother, he got, he got mad and he refused to go in. But watch this. So his father went out mm, and he pleaded with him. But the son answered his father. He said, look, exclamation mark, look. All these years I've been serving you. Now watch the absolutes that he uses. Absolutes are things like always and never. He says, all these years I've been serving you and I've never disobeyed your orders, yet you never even gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. Let me show you two lies there. First of all, he said, I've never disobeyed you. And I go, never? Like, not never. Like, come on, bro. You've never 
You've never disobeyed. He said, I've never disobeyed you. I've never done one thing wrong. Not only is that a lie, worse than that, he actually believes his own lie. The second lie here is when he said, you've never even given me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. Mm. Here's what's interesting about that. At the beginning of the story, his younger brother goes to the father and he says, give me my inheritance and watch the father's response. So his father agreed to divide his wealth, watch this, between his sons. Now, biblically, when an inheritance is distributed, the firstborn or the older brother always received double what the younger brother received. So the younger son, AKA the prodigal, was given one third, and the older son, this guy who pouted and wouldn't go into the party, received two thirds. Yet he says here, you've never even given me one goat. You ever prayed like that? You've never even given me one, and and the father must have been thinking, I've never even given you a goat. I gave you two thirds of everything I have. But he didn't say that. He said, son, You're always with me, and all that I have is yours. Which, this is such an odd way for that to have been said. It it seems off grammatically. Because it begins in the second person, and it ends in the first person. Grammatically, sentences are supposed to be structured the opposite way. You would think it would have said, I am always with you, and all that I have is yours. I mean, I mean, we already know that God's always with us. He said, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. He said, I'm with you always. This is God, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. So when the Father says, you are always with me, and all that I have is yours, I think what God's trying to tell us is that we we know that he's promised to be with us. So as long as we're with him, all that he has is ours. See, some of you aren't being blessed because even though he's with you, you're not with him. You, you might be here, but you're, you're, not, you're not with him. So all that he has isn't yours. And so the enemy will try to drip and drop these untruths into our minds to distance us from God. He'll convince us to live in absolutes, in always and nevers. And most of us live those absolutes out of things that we are and things that we aren't. Like, like uh, you are gonna be sick because everyone on your mom's side had blank. You are gonna be an addict because everyone on your dad's side was addicted to blank. You aren't gonna live in abundance because everyone in your family has struggled financially. You aren't gonna have a good marriage because none of the relationships in your family last. Those are lies, and I rebuke those lies in Jesus' name. I refuse to live inside of a victim mentality, and you don't have to do it either. He has made you more than a conqueror. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You're always with him, and all he has is yours. Renounce the lies of Satan. Here's the fourth way to get free, is you need to receive the Father's gifts. The son said, I've sinned against God, and before you I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But watch this. The father said, the devil is a liar, that's not really what he said, but that's what he meant. He said, he said, hey, hey, uh, told his servants, bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and, and sandals, sandals on his feet. And that is so good. And it's so easy to read past that. But let me just break that down like super quick because those were not random items. The robe represents righteousness. 
The prophet Isaiah said that God has, he has covered me with the robe of righteousness. And remember, righteous just means being in right standing with God. If you're gonna be free, you're gonna have to receive forgiveness and be clothed in righteousness, which doesn't come from you. It comes from the Father only because you repented. The ring, it represents authority. When Pharaoh put Joseph in command, he gave him his ring and he said, no one can go anywhere or do anything without your authority. You are the second highest in the land. If anyone questions you, show them my ring. Pharaoh's ring represented his authority and Jesus gave us authority. He said, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions. Those are demonic spirits. And over all the power of the enemy, nothing will by any means hurt you. We have got to receive God's authority over the enemy. Finally, the shoes represent power. And the gift of power from God isn't something. It's someone. The book of Acts says you will receive power when the Holy Spirit. See, some of you who have been like, about, you know, this, about the fact that we've been leaning into the Holy Spirit, it's because it's been pushing against that chasm that the enemy has created in you to keep you distanced from God. Some of you, some of you have God on you. You just don't have God in you. And the reason why, why you have been so under attack is because of the emptiness that is inside you that should be filled by the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come within you or upon you. It's what Pastor Barry talked about, that dunamis power, that, that boom, boom power, the power to recognize you need help, to repent to God and others, to renounce the lies of Satan, and the power to resist the devil. Will you do that today? Will you resist the devil? I hope so, because if you will, the Bible says, he will flee from you and you will be set free. Would you close your eyes all across this place? You will be set free. Before we can pray for people to have deliverance over their lives, we have to pray for people to have salvation in their lives. Salvation is this act of coming into relationship, into agreement with our Messiah, with Jesus. The first, the last, the great I am, the Alpha, the Omega, the, the bright and morning star, the Prince of Peace, the Lion of the tribe of Judah. You're here today and you feel this emptiness, this void, you've been searching, seeking, trying, reaching for something. You don't know what it is. You don't know how to fill that, that void that's in you. And it can only be filled with Jesus. The Bible, uh, I mean, Billy Graham said that, that man has a God-shaped hole in their heart that can only be filled by Jesus. And so scripturally, uh, we know that salvation requires two things, two things, confession and profession, that, that you would confess, that you would admit uh, that there is sin in your life. And then secondly, that you would profess that you believe that God can change that. Uh, so if you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, if you haven't submitted your life to him, uh, I'm going to ask you to do two things. First is in just a moment with nobody looking around, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand and make eye contact with me. Once you've raised your hand and once I've noticed you, you can put your hand down. That's your act of confession. Uh, then I'm going to say a few lines in a prayer and then I'm going to pause. And if you repeat those lines of prayer that I just said, along with everybody else in this place, and you mean it in your heart, the Bible says that you will be saved. So if you're here and you say, Sean, I don't have a relationship with Jesus, 
but I'd like to before I leave this place with nobody looking around. Would you raise your hand and make eye contact with me right now? Thanks. 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 Okay, I'm going to ask everybody in here to say this after me. Say, Jesus, I've got sin in my life, but I don't want it. Please forgive me. Come into my life. Change me. Make me different. Make me new. Save me. In Jesus' name, amen. With every head bowed and every eye closed, this is going to be a daring thing for some of you. I believe that some of you, uh, you, you want to receive a prayer of deliverance. And, and so if you want me to pray this over you, listen, with, with nobody looking around, if you say, Sean, I need, to have, I need to be delivered from something and I want you to pray for me. I want you with nobody looking around, I want you to stand up right now, right where you're at. If you need deliverance from something, I want you to stand up right now because I'm going to pray for you, but we're going to take a couple steps. And uh, I, I don't know what the thing is that you need deliverance from. Could be pride, could be shame. Okay, here's what I want you to do. Uh, if that's you, I want you to put your hands in front of you with your palms up, just like this. Put hands in front of you with your palms up. Is an indication that you want to receive something from him. Okay? If you still need to stand up, just hold on because I'm. Hands up. And I want you just for a minute, I want you right now to think about as many unconfessed things in your life as you can. Don't say them. Think about as many unconfessed things that you have in your life. Some of them are between you and your spouse. Some of them are between you and your boss. Some of them are between you and your parents. Some of them are between you and yourself, things that you have inflicted upon yourself. And so I want you to think about as many of those things as you can. Then I want you to repeat this prayer after me. Say, Lord, I repent. I ask you to forgive me of all my sin and release me from every bondage in Jesus' name. Say that again. I want you to release me from every bondage in Jesus' name. One more again. I want you to release me from every bondage in Jesus' name. Let me pray for you. Jesus, we pray peace over every person in this place. I take authority in Jesus' name by the power that you have indwelled within me, the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of the blood of Jesus, the power over every principality and power and demonic stronghold and every imp and every de demon and every spirit that would try to come into this place, that would try to come upon these people. God, a spirit of insecurity a spirit of rage, a spirit of pornography, a spirit of lust, a spirit of lack, God, a spirit of abuse, God. Every spirit in this place, you must go under the power of the name of Jesus, the name that is above all names in Jesus' mighty, powerful name. Amen and amen. 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 Thanks for joining us this week. Still thinking about the message? Go follow our message recap podcast, Chew On That. The Chew On That podcast is a podcast where Life Church staff chew over the latest messages to dig deeper into our faith. Tap the link in the episode description to have a listen. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode. We'll see you next week.